It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. As we do every other Thursday during the season, it is time for the Sims Spotlight, which is presented by Bigelow Tea. Grab a mug and tea proudly. And, of course, the man of the hour is Ring of Honor member, Super Bowl champion, and current former quarterback that does analysis for CBS Sports. He is Phil Sims. Phil, what's going on? Uh, nothing. You guys are going on in the Giants. It seems like the Giants played that game about two weeks ago against <laughs> the Saints, but um, it, it was a good day for them. Um, I'm enjoying sitting here in my office. I'm actually watching the Chargers play, and I just came to this conclusion against the Raiders. You know, Justin Herbert's really good. Yeah, How about that? yeah he is really good. <laughs> I mean, I figured these things out. It takes a little while, but I figured it out this week. So, yeah, Is that what the tape told you, Phil? <laughs> Man, listen, it's, it's – uh, What's the word for it? It's a tape to watch and learn and go, this is how you do it. How you stand and throw the ball. Everything technique-wise is great. Uh, Finding the next receiver. Everything you want in a quarterback is there. So not to get off on the Los Angeles Chargers, but, wow, it's really amazing. Second-year player, how well he's playing. Well, let's talk about the quarterback for the New York football Giants, Daniel Jones, who you can argue maybe had his best game of his career against the Saints, Phil, against a good defense in a tough building, career high in yards, leads his team to a victory with two drives at the end of the game, one in the fourth quarter, one in overtime. Your thoughts on Daniel Jones and what he showed in the Giants' first one of the year this year? Well, he was almost perfect when you watch the game. I don't remember writing anything down that, you know, I went, wow, he didn't make a right read or anything like that. Lots of things come to my mind. But, you know, first off, last night I went out to dinner, which I try to do on Wednesday nights with my wife. And I'm leaving, and a guy stopped me, stops me and says, you know, the Giants, yes, okay, great. He goes, well, what do you think about Daniel Jones? I said, well, what do you think? And, Was it well, Paul? I'm not sure. And, and I went, so I go through this conversation everywhere I go. And I try to just say this to him really quick. Listen, I just go, he's the best player in the team. And I just say it that way to try to stop the conversation. Uh, I thought his play against the Saints, a tough, rugged football team, his decision-making his accuracy was off the charts, and when he needed to, he used his athletic ability. So it, it was a, I thought it was a great game by him for sure. Well, you know what, Phil? We all say that it starts in the trenches, and the Giants had their fourth left guard in four weeks, and Matt Skura, who had to right. come in and play in the Superdome. 40 attempts by Daniel Jones, was not sacked once, was hit only six times. Giants averaged four yards a carry on the ground, and they did not commit a single false start penalty. I got to be honest; I was even more impressed by how clean the offensive line played. I, I'm not going to disagree. Uh, listen, when you play the Saints, everybody thinks of Sean Payton as high flying act. It's not. They're about toughness on both sides of the ball. They're a big physical team, and I thought that was a really interesting thing. Just watching what I could on Sunday in the studio. But then watching the game again, that they went in there and they fought the Saints and made it a fight and were as physical as they were because if you don't, then they're going to you know, embarrass you. But the Giants' offensive line, Daniel Jones, many things there. He threw the ball well. He made good decisions. But I thought some of the stuff I saw in the film, just watching it, wide receivers stacking them, it gave New Orleans some troubles. You know, just the fact that 
when Saquon you know, scores his touchdown, a really good read by Daniel Jones. I don't know if they planned on that, but Lattimore was trying to look at the inside receiver and steal one. Yep. And it was a really good read by Daniel Jones taking advantage of that. Yeah, and they run that same play, Phil, at the start of the third quarter, and they threw the quick right. out to Ingram, and they kind of saw Lattimore was peaking a little bit, and I think they – Tried to take advantage of that. All right, I'm going to go to a fan question. This one from Tommy Sylvester. The first part, what do you think of the Giants' performance this past weekend? We already touched on that. But the second part of his question, now what do they have to do to keep that momentum going against Dallas this upcoming week? Well, good question. You know, of course, I thought it was outstanding. Look, there's some things that went unnoticed there. I thought Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, they made a play on the last drive, I think, of the game where um, – Jameis Winston's probably going to get a completion, keep the drive going or whatever, but their pass rush got it done. So sometimes those things go unnoticed. I watched that. I thought the defensive line was aggressive. And um, really impressed with their their will to really fight. And they hung in there, and they finally closed the game out. A close game came from behind. But, you know, that's the way the NFL is. Almost every single week for so many teams, it's about that – Last five minutes of the game, it's always in balance, and who can make the plays, and the Giants did it this week. You know, Phil, I'm curious as to what you saw with your eye about Saquon Barkley, because this was the most he looked like the old Saquon Barkley that we've seen so far this season. I don't know if the Giants can count on that being the breakout game and if it will continue to look that way going forward, but I know this. If it does, that's great news for them. Oh, yes. I mean, listen. The passing game, we saw what happens there. Um, I thought Saquon Barkley, and I've said this to you guys many times, I say it almost every single week, and I mean it and truthful because I watch, is that I see progress every single game. And uh, I think that has to be uplifting for the team, the players, the coaches. You can design more plays for him, do things like that. And, of course, it changes defenses, what they're going to start doing against the Giants if they see this trend to keep going forward, which it is. All right, Phil, another question from the fans. This one from A.J. Marshall. What are the keys for the Giants' defense this week to keep – what is the keys for the Giants' defense this week to keep the Cowboys' offense under 30-plus points? You know, that's that's a good question. Going to be tough. I think it's this. The Giants' secondary has to have one of its really good games or, or play really well. And, and, and I say that just so it gives the defensive line just a little more time to either get in the way of Dak Prescott or, you know, get a sack or something like that would be great. But, you know, be aggressive, all these things. But, of course, the other, it's, it's almost I'm making a counterpoint to myself. You've got to be careful because they have great speed, lots of routes, lots of different plays, and they're always looking for ways to get deep down the field. So really tough uh, assignment for the Giants secondary, but I thought they played really well against New Orleans. And I expect them to get better and play well this week. To build off of that, Phil, the Giants gave up, what, 170 yards on the ground last week. Blake Martinez is out for the season. This was the first full game that he missed. How much would that alarm you going up against the Cowboys offense that is really running the football extremely well? Well, you know, it's not a, the greatest thing that we can have happen to the team, that's for sure. But I tell you, I just have really good faith in the defensive line of the Giants, that they can stay in there, hold their own. And this Cowboy offensive line, it's still not the offensive line we saw years ago. So when I, when I look at it, I just say, hey, the Giants' defense has got to come through. Dexter Lawrence, all those guys, they got to play big, and they got to be hold their end up. So if the Cowboys start throwing the ball and they get time and they start running the football well, 
then, you know, that place, that stadium, the emotion, they ride it. And if that happens, it's going to be a tough day for the Giants. Phil, as a but cor- this defense, let me just say this real quick. Yeah, please. The defense of the Cowboys, it's better, okay? We all know that. But it's not something I look at and say, hey, the Giants could put 30 points on the board against this defense too. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. If Daniel Jones gets time, I think they can throw the football on the Cowboys and have great success. Yeah, Phil, I agree 100%, and that's exactly where I was going with my next question. You know, the Cowboys have given up a bunch of yards, but they've been what I call a big play defense, right? They get that takeaway or that turnover that ends drives. And Trayvon Diggs specifically, five interceptions, one in each game this year. Going back to last year, he was a ball hawk as well. If you're a quarterback and you're dealing with a corner like Diggs, that likes to read the quarterback's eyes, anticipate what's coming, make plays on the football. How can you take advantage of that? What can you do as an offense to make that defense pay for that type of aggressive posture? Well, Trayvon Diggs, I loved him coming out of Alabama. I thought he really had great skill. In other words, he reads the quarterback, kind of reminds me of Aqib Tlaib, uh, maybe uh, Richard Sherman in his heyday. They can see the receiver and the quarterback at the same time, and they – they can take advantage of that. But also, the quarterback can take advantage of that, which I've seen both of those guys get burned for touchdowns because the quarterback makes a move or does something quick or makes them think he's going somewhere else besides right at them, and they gamble. And when they do that, that's when you get touchdowns, which we saw this past week with Lattimore. And when I see Diggs, I kind of think of the same thing. He's trying to do both, read the quarterback, read the receiver, and sometimes you do that, you're going to give up big plays, so we'll see if the Giants have a way of taking advantage of that technique that he has. Phil, I hate to keep flopping back to the other side of the ball, but we haven't mentioned Dak Prescott yet. And the numbers, I have not seen but one Dallas game. I saw the game against the Chargers. Uh, I have not seen their other games. The numbers are sticking off the page like he is off to the best month of his career. I don't know how much you've watched of him so far, but how good has he been? Well, he's been very good. I've watched every throw. Uh, I think the game plans that he's been given to him have been very good. The Charger game was, you know, they didn't score a lot of points, but it was the game where both teams were up and down the field the whole time, but they made mistakes. But Dak Prescott has been extremely accurate. Uh, The scheme has been really good. They mix it up in many ways with, hey, power, finesse. Just I think Kellen Moore has done a great job. But uh, Dak Prescott's throwing the ball the best I've ever seen him. And he's one of those quarterbacks. Every year he has stayed in the league, he has become a better thrower, a better decision maker. And right now, listen, if he keeps playing like this, you know, I hate to do these things, but he'll be in, the, he'll be in that thing, who's going to be the MVP of the NFL? Because the numbers he's putting up with those receivers and that style of offense they run uh, is going to give him a chance to do that. Phil, I'm fascinated by how the Cowboys are using Micah Parsons. First week, he was an off-ball linebacker. Weeks two and three, with the injuries they had at the edge, they put him out there at, at defensive end and, you know, that, that, that Leo linebacker spot. And he basically killed right tackles and left tackles for two weeks. Then against the Panthers last week, they put him back at off-ball linebacker, use him more of a blitzer, they use him in coverage a little bit. How do you think they're going to utilize him this week? And what are some of the keys for the Giants to limit his impact on the game? Wow, that's, that's, listen, it's, it's going to be interesting. And what they're doing, they're just giving him opportunities and moving him around because he can do it all. And when he moved to defensive end, I guess that was in week two. Yep. Against, yes. And I thought, okay, let's see how this works. And I was expecting nothing. And then when I watched the game, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> he looked like he was drafted to be a defensive yep. pass rushing specialist. So he has great intuition. 
understands the game well, too. That's why they put him at linebacker. They want to blitz him. They want to put him on the edge. Just keep you guessing. But they know he just has that ability to do it. You know, reads things well. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I would always expect him to get his number of rushes from the outside because he's had success. And crowd noise, all those things, Giants, you know, their offensive line, whatever, they're going to try to get some guys on the edge, of course, when you look at it, and he would be one they'll try to take advantage of. Phil, when looking at this Dallas speed defense, I mean, speed is the number one thing that comes to mind with that D. Uh, do you think the Giants are well-advised to continue to use Barkley a little bit outside on the boundary like they did last week and use Tony and gadget play kind of things so that you can get them confused with some misdirection and, and stuff of that nature? Or would you just line it up and play it straight and say, look, our guys against your guys, we think we can win? Well, no, I would not do that because I think in this day and age in this league, the more deception you give, I think – I can't believe I'm going to say this, but the analytics tells you when you shift in motion and you do these things, I don't call them trick plays. I, I call them keep the defense honest plays. And I've been taught by many people over the years that you got to have them in. We see the Patriots do it every week. We're seeing the Cowboys doing lots of different things. And I think the Giants on the same. What they did last week, you got to find ways to, hey, Get them chasing the cars. You know, I used to hear Parcells go, don't be a car chaser. He tell the defense, read your keys and do the right thing. In other words, there comes a car near the dog, and you roar, roar, roar. Then a car goes the other yeah. way, you stop and chase him. So when it comes down to it, you get nothing done. But, yeah, the Giants, they need to do that on offense, just like the Cowboys are doing it. We see Tampa. We see everybody. You saw New England on Sunday night, what they do. They do it every game. And I think that should be not – something you do every once in a while. I think you need to have those plays in every single week now in this league. Phil, final fan question. This one, a two-parter from uh, star of screen and stage, David Futternick. His first question, also, um, despite coming off a big win, what do you think the Giants' biggest worry should be? And when you look at their roster, the thing you worry about the most, if there's a hole there going forward. And then also the second part of that is, who was your favorite teammate when you were with the Giants? Oh, I had I, I couldn't say one guy, one favorite teammate. I love you know, I had a great relationship with most of my offensive linemen. Tony Galbraith, Galbraith Maurice Carthon, of course, Phil McConkey, we know that. Uh, so a lot of them. You know, when you're on a team, especially on your side of the ball, you're around each other so much, you do become good friends. And, and when we run into each other during off seasons or whatever, we have lo- lots of laughs about some of the things that went on, the good and the bad. And uh, when I look at the giant roster, look, I don't look at it now and just go, wow, I see a really – big hole here in the in the roster i think the defense and offensive lines are doing well the receiving core looks like it's really come on daniel jones is playing well saquon's looking better and better every single week i thought the corners played well down in uh, new orleans last week you know put the put some pressure on them and they they come up with the plays uh so i don't see a big hope i just see a team that has to go in and they got to play solid football and all that, and they're just going to play in a lot of close games, and they got to be able to pull it out at the end. Because, again, that's what the league is about, and that's who the Giants are. And uh, the difference between the margin of error, as I always say, is very slim for almost every team in the league except for a few elite ones, and the Giants fall in that category. So we'll see how it happens. I'm excited to see the game and you know watch this Cowboy team one more time and see if I really believe all the hype that's going with them. They do have a lot of stars, but um, I think the Giants have a chance to beat them. 
We'll see what happens. These NFC East games, Phil, as you well know, are always very tight and competitive, and they usually go down to the last few minutes, and we hope that's the case once again on Sunday. Phil, great stuff. Uh, you can, okay. And, 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 Phil, they can find you on the CBS pre and post this weekend as usual, right? I think I'll be there, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call Boomer and ask him if it'll be, he'll allow me to talk this week, so we'll see what goes on. Well, good luck with that. We, we, All right, yeah, good luck. Yep. Okay, guys, we thanks know for talk. Me. Thanks, thanks, Phil. Appreciate okay. it. That is the Sim Spotlight. It is presented by Bigelow T. Grab a mug and T. Proudly. I was going to joke, Paul, we ran out of time, how since we had that last talk, the Giants have not really run Daniel Jones much. Well, I think when Phil was talking about all the different things that you can do with all of those weapons, that means Daniel Jones shouldn't have to run as much. But I didn't want to kind of throw that up at him because— I thought you would. No, I wanted to let Phil escape without getting sacked. Running scared from Phil Sims. (laughs) Don't like it. All right, Paul, we did have, by the way, the uh, coordinators talk today, and we thank Phil for joining us as always. Phil does a great job. 201-939-4513. We have a couple open lines. You guys want to get in, you certainly can. Paul, you're out there. Media availabilities today. I was pulled elsewhere, unfortunately— we heard from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, and all the assistants on both sides of the ball. What are some of the nuggets that you pulled from those conversations? Well, I think one of the things that the folks were interested in talking to Coach Thomas McGagey about, he is the special teams coordinator, they wanted to know with Peppers potentially uh, you know, having the injury issue with the hamstring, what the Giants would do on punt return. And he just stressed how great a job C.J. Board has always done on special teams. He had another big return, by the way, last week. 20-plus yards. Yeah. So uh, he said, we're fine there. And, of course, he said also Tony would be an option. He if, did say Tony would be an option. He did say Tony would be an option if if, if Peppers couldn't go. But that's still to be determined at this point. It's okay. like Thursday. Mm-hmm. That was the big takeaway there on, on special teams. Uh, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, I think the thing that he said was, um, you've got to mix up your fronts against Dallas, uh, sometimes four, sometimes five, sometimes six. You've got to keep showing different looks, and you have to disguise them all the time because he said that's the only way to limit what Dallas does because it all starts with their offensive line and their running game. And you've got to be able to take care of business there. He said Ezekiel Elliott uh, is running extremely hard these days. Uh, has tremendous vision, knows how to work and set up his blocks. He's just very impressed with the way Zeke has bounced back. And, of course, all the weaponry that they have. He said, simply put, you've got to make sure you guard the deep part of the field. You've got to make sure you hit them at the line. And, again, give them a lot of different looks. Didn't specifically say much about Prescott. At least I didn't think there was anything unique other than the fact that he's playing well. You've got to remember he's going to extend plays. He moves around. Uh, that's pretty much it on the defensive side. Jason Garrett had a couple of interesting things, though. He did say that uh, they're very much aware that Barkley can make plays no matter where he lines up, so it doesn't really matter if they put him out at receiver, which they did as on the, on the big play last week. He said it doesn't matter. We can put him anywhere. He can make plays from anywhere. So I got the impression we may see some more of that. Don't know for sure, but maybe. Um, and then he always uh, also talked about Jones in particular, saying that, Uh, He's playing decisively, making good decisions to get rid of the ball, and that's a big sign of maturity in a quarterback. He's making more plays, and he's one of those guys, the better the team is around him, the better he continues to get. And then one other thing he mentioned is that um, Ross and Tony – Proving last week that they could make plays in the game against the Saints, he thinks that will open things up in the future because now people have seen what they can do on game tape. Anything from the assistants? I know those are tough sometimes. Well, I did I did make my ways around. Let's see. Um, Coach Tolbert said uh, there's no question that as soon as Ross comes out onto the field, 
defenses know that he was the fastest guy at the combine years ago, and they respect his speed. And immediately he said, you know that they notice when he's on the field because they know they got to go at the deep ball. Apparently not well enough last week, but yes, I well, agree. They had two guys back there. They did. That's they just true. couldn't keep up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a great throw, by the way, by Daniel was, Jones. Yes. Um, he said, speed is great at wide receiver. You got to make sure that you use it, though, to make guys miss and make big plays out of it. Uh, let's see. Coach Sale, Rob Sale, the offensive line coach, he said he was asked about the fourth configuration of the offensive line in four weeks. And he said, you know what? When you get the right guys, you have a chance to make them gel quicker. And these guys have done a good job of working together and getting on the same page. He, he said it was more about the kinds of guys that they were that allowed them to blend and do what they did in New Orleans. He said it was a real nice job, but not perfect. And Joe Judge added later, by the way, that he thought Matt Score did a real nice job at left guard as well when he did his flyby after we came in here. Right. Well, uh, Sale mentioned Score is scrappy, smart, and instinctive. Those were the three comments he had about Scorer. Um, Sale also mentioned that uh, they're trying to get Isaiah Wilson in football shape. He needs about two weeks of conditioning. Uh, and then after that, he said, we'll, we'll see what he's got. But right now, they got to get him up to speed, get him in football shape. They're giving him book work. And then he said, after that, we'll figure out where he fits. But Isaiah Wilson, at this point, he's, he's still an unknown and somebody they're very curious about. Um, other than that, let's see. Let's go to um, Coach Burns, running backs coach. Said all along he trusted the plan for Saquon Barkley. He said Barkley was outstanding in showing patience and also trusting the trainers because he's a great competitor. You know he wanted to push it to get out there, but he trusted the process, and it's paying off. Um, Coach Spencer, defensive line coach, says um, to him it's, uh, it's all about getting the hits and the pressures. He knows that the defensive line is important to stop the run first, He said, but once you do that, then you worry about getting the hits and the pressures. He said, I don't care about sacks. They're only stats. I want the quarterback to feel us. I want them to be able to say that they're not in a seven-on-seven drill. They got to feel us. That was very important to him. Other than that, let's see. Uh, Coach Scherer, linebacker coach, was the last one that I talked to. He said, um, Blake Martinez with the ACL injury making a good effort to pop in meetings to stay involved because he brings great leadership, and they didn't want to miss that. And Martinez continues to be around. He said that Crowder, Tay Crowder's done a good job with the helmet speaker, and he will continue to be the guy with the helmet speaker. And then when I asked about Carter Coughlin, he said he is a part of certain matchup packages, but that's one of the reasons why we haven't seen him get an opportunity at this point because it just hasn't fit. And then according to Dan Salamone on Joe Judge's quick flyby on the way out to practice, both Andrew Thomas and Leonard Williams will practice today. Both guys were phantom DNPs yesterday. If there was a real practice, it was just a walkthrough. I've texted Dan for any word on Slayton Shep or Jabril Peppers, and we'll see if he gets back to me. Well, if he does, I will Shepard let you know. was out there. He right. was out there in media portion for warm-ups. In fact, I even posted the video already on my Twitter. Now, we don't know what that means, though, obviously. All we saw was him. Right. He was just doing some warm-up sprints, and that's all he was doing. And he was catching the ball from Daniel Jones. Right, and throws, but it say. was not, not no plays in, in specifically, no plays. So we don't know exactly where he stands. But, you know, obviously he's doing a little better 
the fact that he's out there is a good sign. It's certainly not a bad sign. All right, 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. The Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. All right, let's go to the calls. Russell in Staten Island will lead us off today. What's up, Russ? Hey, how you doing, guys? We're good. Hi. Hey. How you doing, Paul? Um, I just had a couple of comments real quick and a question for Paul, if you guys don't mind. Um, I just want to say one thing. Daniel Jones, wow. Um, I know it's only one win, but he seems to be checking off all the boxes that we had the questions going into this season about. Well, Russell, you know, here's I the thing, it, and I, I'm sorry for interrupting you just very quickly. He was playing well in the losses. Just because it's a win doesn't mean that's the first time he played well. He was playing well in the last right. two losses, too. John, I totally agree with that. I mean, that's not where I was going. I was just trying to give that man his credit. No, absolutely, I got you. Period, this season. Yep. Period, this season. Because I think some New York Giant fans, not myself, but some, should, you know, they should be a little distraught because they really, like, gave this man, um, pardon my language, but really, like, they gave this man hell, you know, um, during draft night, which would be the biggest night of your life, and you're booing this man, and you're a so-called fan. Well, but they booed the pick of say, Phil Sims too, and how'd that turn out? So it's okay. It's not how you start; it's how you finish, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And I just want to say that I think this man is checking the boxes that we wanted. You know, he's making better decisions. He's being smarter with the ball. You can see he has more command of the offense. You know, I, I like that, and that's what we were looking for. I just think that he needs to string a little bit more wins together. You know, and I think we're good to go with that. But um, Andrew Thomas also. They gave him help from preseason. I mean, it's preseason. Get the guy a break. I mean, he's still young, too. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. And um, Aziz Ojolari, Darius Tony. you know, I mean, we're looking up. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get too excited about one win. But, yes, we are looking up. But, Paul, I just had a question for you real quick, and I'll take it off the air. Um, a caller called. I can't remember. I think it was last week. And they brought up a thing about the next 14 games going 7-7. Seven and seven. What would Mr. Mara do at the end of that season? So to reiterate off of that question, I want to ask if if that does happen. Just say I'm not I'm not hoping it happens, but just say it does happen, and they wind up seven and ten. Which should be only one win more than last year. Well, if they go and seven and seven, they'll be eight and nine, won't they? Well, fourteen games left, right? No, no, he said last week when they were 0-3, oh. if they would go 7-7. Seven and seven. So that, oh. would, that would put them at 7-10. and 10. Okay, okay. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah. Right, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. At the time of the question so as opposed they, to today. Yes. Right, yes, yes. And if they do that, and Mr. Mara takes a hard look at the team, like he said he would at the end of the season, and he sees that, okay, it wasn't really, when he looked back at the film, and it wasn't really Daniel Jones. He's seen what he wanted to see out of Daniel Jones' progression. And he checked all the boxes that Mr. Mara wanted him to check. Now, with a 7-10 record, well, obviously should be out of the playoffs. Now, if we are out of the playoffs and Mr. Mara goes to meet his assertion of the team and he looks at Daniel Jones and he says, well, you know, he, he improved, does he believe that it would be Daniel Jones is just hard work so he's you know, he's going to stick with Daniel Jones as his quarterback? Or does he think that getting rid of Jason Garrett with the coaching staff to bring in a new coaching staff would affect Daniel Jones for the next year and keep Garrett around? 
and that's my question. I'll take it off the air. Well, I'm, I'm oh, always, I got you. I got you. You don't deal with hypotheticals. Right? No, no. But here's, here's what no. Here's what I will say. Um, I certainly thought that it was possible that Jason Garrett would get interviews after this past season, and he did get one interview. I think if he is offered a head coaching job in the NFL, I, I think he would go. Well, why wouldn't he? He's an offensive coordinator now after being a head coach in this league for a number of years. Now, to his credit, people keep asking him about this, and he keeps saying, I'm focused on this week's opponent because I work for the New York Giants. And he does not answer that hypothetical at all. But if Daniel Jones has a really good year, and you know that, that was the basis for the question, if Jones has a really good year, what would you do? Well, if Jones has a really good year, chances are somebody who has a head coaching opening is going to call Jason Garrett because he has a head coaching resume in this league. And if he has a good interview, he very well might get an offer. And if he does, I think he would go. And that's not a knock on Jason Garrett, but why wouldn't he take a head coaching offer if someone were to give it to him? And if Daniel Jones has a good year, he certainly is going to get some of the credit for that. I, I don't know that that's a very outrageous question, and I don't think it's an outrageous answer. John? No, I mean, I don't. Right? I mean, the guy's been head coach in this league before. If someone would offer him that job again, why wouldn't he take it? I, I don't. I, I don't, mean, no one, no one says no to head coach. Right. I mean, so I don't, I don't know see. How we, I mean, I, I don't know why we're talking about that scenario it's now. A, it's a crazy hypothetical yeah, to me. But yeah, in I any event, really think that's it. that's that's my answer. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones and say what's up to Doug in Rochester. Doug, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, folks? How you guys doing? Hi. What's up, Doug? Um, um I got I got I got concerns about Dallas. Um first of all, defense. Somebody's gotta put a body on number eleven. I don't care if you run away from him. He's got so much quickness. He has to be accounted for at all times. And um, yeah, saying that now, um, Dallas defense, Keller Moore, all he's doing is running the football and sending the tight ends down the middle. That's why I got a concern about the Giants. Who's going to cover the tight ends? And, and, uh, the deep backs got to cover the receivers on short yardage. And, like, Paul, you said, um, I think you said yesterday, Dallas only got one play of 35 yards. Reason why they only got one play, look at their first downs, how many first downs they get. Look at the first downs they get on first and second down. They don't have to get big plays. They get 10 well, yards and all the first downs. The statistic get. that I cited um, on, the, on the report that John and I did, there have been 70 pass plays in the National Football League of more than 35 yards this year. And the Cowboys only have one of them. It was a 44-yarder to C.D. Lamb. And I think that probably surprises a lot of people in that their offense is so incredibly explosive. They have so much ability to get yak yardage. Dak certainly has a strong arm. I think most people would be surprised that they only have one more than 35 yeah, did you, yards. Did you, did you look at the first down? How many first no, no, no. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not disputing your, your fact. I'm just giving you an interesting yeah, stat. Yeah, and Paul's not saying that means the Cowboy yeah. offense isn't good. He's I didn't just, say he's that. He's just saying yeah. that's how they're accomplishing things, by being a little bit more methodical. and more not patient, relying on if you the, will. Correct, and not necessarily relying on the mega play. Yeah. You know, Zach's not yeah, whipping it 50 yards downfield. He's just not doing it. And they haven't had to. Well, no. 
Well, John, how do you think who do you think can cover um, Schultz and the tight ends? Because if if the uh, um, Zeke is putting 142 yards, basically what Dallas is doing is running the football down your throat. The safeties have to come up. That's why the middle of the field goal, but the tight ends having a field day. So that that seems like it's going to be a problem for the Giants because they have trouble covering tight ends. Yeah, I mean, look, and, I, I, when. when Doug, when I'm making the list of people I have to worry about with the Cowboys offense, look, Dalton Schultz is having a nice year. He's literally number five on my list after CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, and um, Tony Pollard. And I didn't even mention Dak Prescott in that conversation. So, yeah, I mean, Dalton Schultz will get you for a couple 12-yard catches. That's cool. My bigger worry is when they put CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in the slot, who's going to cover him. I think that's something you have to worry about. Um, I think you worry about stopping the run without bringing that safety in the box. The Giants do not like dipping that eighth guy in the box. They want to keep those two safeties high. And the Cowboys, the, the reason they're so tough to deal with, and we saw this, right? They play Tampa in week one. Tampa has a great run defense, right? So what does Dallas do? You know what? We'll play to our strength and your weakness. We're going to throw the ball on Tampa Bay because their run defense is so good. Then they get to the next week, and the Chargers say, you know what? Brandon Staley, he's a great defensive coordinator. He comes from the Vic Fangio school. They're going to play two safeties deep the whole game. Well, you know what? You're going to do that. You know what we're going to do? We're going to run the ball right down your throat. So mm-hmm. they're not going into a game with a, in my opinion, with a predetermined strategy based on what they do. They're going to look at what you do. Since they're capable of doing pretty much whatever they want, they will attack you based on how you're playing them schematically and how many guys are down there in the box. That's well, what makes well, the Cowboys offense so difficult. Well, I think they're going to start with the Giants as the run game. If the Giants cannot stop the run game, yeah, well, probably. Them, them safeties are going to have to come up, and that's what I'm talking about. The, the receivers, the, the cornerbacks, I, I feel like Jackson, I'm worried about him because he's been kind of getting beat this year. Now, Doug, remember, and, though, yeah. the, the Saints were running the ball all over the Giants. Giants never committed that extra safety to the box. They just said, well, all right, you want to gain five, six yards to carry? Go ahead. We're going to trust our – we're going to rather not give up the big play. Now, they gave up the big play anyway, so that didn't, ex- <laughs> it didn't exactly work. But that was their thought process. Yeah, but just, just remember ball, one thing. This is – just run the ball, though. That's all he – Jack just don't really have to do too much. What, what I'm going to yeah, tell you – What yeah. I'm going to tell you – Thank you, Doug. Digs really deep into the onion. I mean, I'm pulling back a lot of layers here, John. But it's something that coordinators and coaches think about. But I'm, I'm going to go deep for you here. You may not understand it, but I'm going to go deep. Here's what happens. If you want to slow this game down, because there are two ways to go here. You either, you either go into a track meet and you say to yourself, look, uh, Giants offensive line hasn't been running the ball real well, although it was better last week, but not real well. And we know Dallas has a lot of speed on defense, but – they are susceptible to giving up a lot of yards. And Daniel's throwing the ball real well, and the Giants have great skill positions. Well, you could say, let's get into a track meet. Try to win a 30-point game. You could do that. Well, you they, might, you might, you, whether you want to get into a track meet, you might have to score 30 points anyway. You may have to. With you. Now, that's what the Giants did when Eli Manning went down to New Orleans and Drew Brees threw three, seven touchdown passes, and Eli right. threw six. The Giants went down there and said, the heck with the run. Let's get into a track meet with them. And the ball was flying all over the field. Now, that might happen Sunday. They might decide that's the way to go. The other way to go is the older, more traditional way to deal with a team that, that has a little bit light in the, in, the, in the butt on defense, which is what Dallas is. They're a speed defense, and they're light in the butt, is you pound it. 
okay? You pound it. You control the ball on the clock. Keep the ball out of their offense's hands. And you just wear down their defense. Now, the other side to that strategy. Now, you better score points if you do that. That's the problem. Well, that's A, you got to finish. Yeah. You absolutely have to finish your drives. Otherwise, you've, you've, you've basically stuck yourself in the foot. Yeah, it's game over. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, A, now the second part to that strategy, and this is where a lot of people don't understand this part of it. Defensively, if you're going to play that kind of style offensively, what you want to do is not only limit their time of possession for the Cowboys, but you also want to slow the game down into a crawl on both sides of offense. How do you do that? You allow them to run the ball. So what you do is you make them be patient. On defense, you play more of the shell. You play your two deep safeties, and you basically say, Prescott, you're not going to beat us through the air. We're going to force you to run 9, 10, 11 play drives by running the ball down the field. The whole point being to limit the amount of possessions. Bingo. Right. Mm -hmm. You drain the clock not only with your offense, but you drain the clock with your defense because you force them to take small bites. And now you're draining the clock on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Correct. Now, there's one problem with that, Paul. The game you have to be efficient. Very well. Well, that's, yeah, of course. And the way you're going to be efficient is that the game is going to come down to probably which red zone offense is better. Would you like that better if you're the Giants so far this year? And that becomes the gamble. Yeah. Because now, look, I, I, I happen to agree with you. I think Dallas's offense has shielded their run defense from being exploited. They're only giving up 60 rush yards a game, but that's because of the attempts against them. It's not because they're not giving up. They're giving right. up 4.7 yards per rush play. Right. Set third worst in the league, I think. Fourth worst in the league, whatever it is. It's Near not the good. Bottom. Near the bottom. It's not good. So I feel like they are vulnerable through the run, but teams just haven't been able to either have been willing to stick with it, a la the Philadelphia Eagles a couple weeks ago when mm-hmm. they just didn't try to run it at all, mm-hmm. or... You know, they play Tom Brady. I mean, if you're at the Bucs, why would you try to run the ball? You have Tom freaking Brady. Throw the football. <laughs> you have Justin Herbert. Throw the football. No, right? I mean, oh, I know. why would you? Now, Herbert made some bad mistakes in that Chargers game, and they gave it away. Right. They did. But that's the trick. You know, if you try to run the ball early, and you have two punts, and they go up 10 nothing, maybe through the first quarter. You got a problem. Your goose is cooked. <laughs> you got a problem. <laughs> it's, it's bad. So, so this is why, you know, the Giants need to, to, to make a decision going into Dallas how do we want to play this game? Because these are two totally opposite ends of the spectrum we're talking about, John. They're, they're, you, don't, you can't blend these two philosophies together. You're either going to play it one way or you're going to play it the other way. And then you have to be patient, stick to it, and make sure that you execute properly. And most importantly, as you said before, you must, when you have opportunities to score, you must finish and score those points. I mean, otherwise, none of those plans are going to work. If you, don't, if you don't score and finish off drives, nothing you do is going to help. And by the way, just because you decide you're going to commit to the run doesn't mean you can't run play-action pass on first down and take a shot oh, if it it's doesn't. there. It doesn't. So, yeah, I'm it, talking about the, the, the generic umbrella philosophy correct, that you're yes. going into the game with. That's what I'm talking about. And most people don't understand that part of it, that you actually invite the other team to run the ball so that they have to go on 10, 11, 12-play, 75-yard drives to score. I've had so many people say, well, how did they give up that long drive? They couldn't get off the field. No, no. That day, the philosophy was make the other team burn clock and, and go down the field to limit their possession. 
And and a lot of people don't get that part of it. Let's go to Jeff in Maine. He's up next. Hey, Jeff. Well, hey, guys. How are you all doing today? What's up? Hello. Um, well, I got to think about the wide receivers. Uh, I'd like to make a case that I think that I would not trade our top five wide receivers for any other teams in the league. Uh, and I say this because we just now got our new receivers integrated. <clears throat> excuse me. You know, into the team. Can I have what you're drinking, Jeff? Showed, but th- What's that? No, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry. I'm making they, a joke. They, they, well, uh, they showed what they can uh, uh, do, you know, last week. And, um, you know, long-term it's looking really good just because, you know, Tony and uh, Galladay are going to be with the team for three or four years. Uh, so that, that's good for the future. Um, but now that they've shown what they can do, I think those two can be elite receivers and uh, be our number one and number two receiver. But um, honestly, do you think there's that many teams that their top five receivers are better than our top five? Well, you, you're and, jumping uh, a little that, ahead I'll... of yourself is what you're doing. Yes, and, and, and okay. frankly, I don't care about top five wide receivers because five receivers don't play. Yeah. I care about top three wide receivers. Four. Four. You'll kind see of. some four-man yeah, right. four wide. Some, but not, right. not a ton, though. But you'll see some of it. Right. Especially if a team goes spread. Well, Jeff, let me ask you something. All right? If okay. today the Cowboys offered you Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup, for any three giant wide receivers, do you do the trade? Well, that's I, I wouldn't I wouldn't phrase it that way because I think you need five receivers. No, that, that that's how I'm phrasing it, Jeff. Right. I'm, I don't care how you would right. phrase it. That that's my question okay. for you. Well, no, I, um, I'd have to think about that. But you know, the thing is, when when Jones throws it a lot, and and now we're kind of a, a pass, you know, passing offense. You're going to need five receivers for the whole year. All right, if John uh, threw to... in Cedric Wilson, would you do it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, look, I, I understand why you're excited. Of course. Because these guys showed a lot of spark last week, and they got some production done, and, and it was really cool. But I think you're, you're, jumping, you're jumping ahead of yourself. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, if you gave me Manningham, Knicks, and Cruz today, I'd love to have those guys over what the Giants have today, too. And that isn't a shot at the and Giants. And that's not a shot at these no, guys. I think you have to be very happy with the Giants' weapons, but to just say that they're the top unit in the league, I think, it, you know, after one really productive game, that might be a little premature. you got you to prove stuff. Yes. If they now continue this over six or seven weeks, then we can have a different conversation. Right. Well, I'm then. optimistic for the rest of the year in that regard. All right. Yeah. Well, so, that's great. That's great. You can be optimistic. I, I, well, I just think we have, like, a, a wide range of different skill sets and um, no, that's true. So you know that'll board well, and you know we have a lot of depth, and I think that's just important in today's league. So with that, I'll, I'll take it off the air. Then. Thank you, Jeff. No, right. I, the one thing I do definitely agree with you on. I do feel like the Giants have almost put together like a basketball team, right? Where you have the after the you have the yards after the catch guy in Gall- in uh, Tony. You have the big guy contested catch guy in Galladay. You got the route runner in Shepard. You got the speed guy in Slayton. So you kind of have that group, and all the guys can do a little bit of different things. The gadget guy in Tony. Yeah, I love the mix of guys. I think that's absolutely true. If you need a guy to do something, the Giants have somebody that can do that well. I think that's absolutely true. It's the most complete wide receiver room the Giants have had in a long, long time. Very long time. Very long time. I mean, you'd have to go back probably to, to Toomer, Burris, Steve Smith, uh, uh, David Tyree, you know they they had they had a bunch of different guys there who all had a different tool set, but I'd say yeah I'd say going back to that year that's probably it's probably the most complete receiver room that they've had. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go back to the phones and say what's up 
to Christian in Virginia. He's up next. What's up, Christian? Hey, guys. Um, I like what you guys were talking about earlier about, uh, you know, inviting the run game as far as slowing the game down. I think that's even a kind of a wider spread philosophy throughout the NFL right now. Uh, John, you referenced uh, Brandon Staley, and that's basically what they stay in, and they're committed to that. They're committed to saying that big plays, explosive plays equal winning. And then you look at the point total in that game, you know, P-Dot, you mentioned it. Really what derailed that was the Chargers turned the ball over. Sure. But the defense did get shredded on the ground, but the philosophy of limiting points actually worked in that game. And I do think that that's something to look at as you play the Cowboys. No, you're right. Christian, in that game, both teams marched the ball up and down the field, but neither one did a good job of getting the ball in the end zone. You're absolutely right. And the final score was 20-17 to Dallas. Right, but I bet you both teams had over 400 yards of offense in that game. Oh, I think it was. Even if you're getting shredded, you'll take 20 points against Dallas. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Well, because the idea here is you don't get style points. You get points. You you win. If you win, the NFL marks it down in the standings as a win. And by the way, that's what the Giants defense Christian was good at last year. My point was that. I'm sorry. My point is that I I think that's a good philosophy, but you just have to protect the football. The Cowboys have been feasting on the turnovers, and that's the Chargers committed them in that game, and that was the difference. Herbert's pick in the end zone was terrible. Right. But I do say this, Paul, and I agree with what you're saying. You have to commit to one or the other playing them. But I don't think you can go in and just say traditionally the way to do it is to stay, you know, committed to the run game to slow the game down. I think you have to take a broader look at what is our best way to maximize what we do. And I do think, even with Saquon, I think that we are a big play offense. Like, I think both of you guys agree he's a home run hitter, which can be frustrating. But he's not, like, when have we used Saquon and given it to him 25 times, even when he was healthy, and just grinded out five yards at a time? I think you have to be selective with your shots like we were last week, protect the football, and then invite them to run the ball against us, you know, to try to slow the game down defensively. But I think you have to be aggressive offensively well, with our personnel. You no, can, remember, you, you can also use the West Coast uh, passing uh, portions of, of, that, of that, the scheme to be pseudo-runs. So you're absolutely, absolutely right. You don't yeah. necessarily have yeah. to have Barkley run it 28 times. You could very easily yeah. throw five or six little West Coast passes or, to him. Or, on the other hand, you can be a fundamental running team in that spot, but when you do pass, you try those play-action passes and early downs, and that's when you try to make your chunk yeah. plays. So oh, there's no doubt. So you put those explosive plays in, but at the same time, you're trying to use the run to draw that Cowboys safety into the box so you have a better chance to get those big plays down the field. I think, Christian, that's one thing that I think a lot of people miss, too, from weeks one, two, three, and four. One of the reasons, in my opinion, in week four, the Giants made more big plays. One, the Saints, frankly, had a couple of blown coverages in that game, which helped. Mm-hmm. Two, they didn't play as much of that two-safety shell as we saw from Denver, as we saw from Washington, as we saw from Atlanta in those first three weeks. So I think the way the Saints play defense, which is a more aggressive defense, we talked about that last week, more man-to-man, et cetera, et cetera, that presents more opportunities for big plays as well. You know, you play man, you complete a 15-yard pass, guy misses the tackle, there's no one there to make yep. the play. And then you can even right. get yards after the catch, not just plays over the top, right? So I think all that is kind of baked in. But look, I agree. Christian, however you bake it down in this game, the Giants have to do whatever they think is the best way for them to score 
as many touchdowns per drive as they possibly yeah. can. I don't necessarily yeah. care about total touchdowns. touchdowns. Correct. Touchdowns. Yes, you want touchdowns per drive. That's the important stat this week. I think right. this, too. The time of possession is useless unless you're getting six. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, waiting yes. the time of possession and getting three really does nothing for you against most teams, but especially this team. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, do say, I do say I'll take one more, one more thing, and I, I will say this. We have a lot of weapons, and we can spread people out, and we can use, like, the West Coast stuff we're talking about. We got different guys like Tony that we could get, you know. I think we need to be spotty with that. I, just after watching Daniel Jones for three years, going into his third year now, I just think what we did last week coming out heavy with Jumbo and two tight ends, giving him a clean pocket and letting him make throws down the field, I just think that plays to specifically his strength, and we have the weapons to actually accommodate that. And then you sprinkle in the West Coast stuff here and there. But I think our identity really should be letting Daniel Jones sling the ball down the field. He's the sixth overall pick. You've got to just trust him at this point. Uh, but I'll take the rest off the air. Thank you, guys. Well, that, that's why, in all honesty, I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong if they decide they want to go into a track meet. It is an option. It is a philosophy that, that absolutely has some merit, and I could see where it would, it would potentially work. Um, no matter which philosophy you choose, A or B, if you do not execute at a very high level, you're going to be in trouble. Not only do you have to execute well, not only do you have to finish off your scoring opportunities with points and preferably sevens instead of threes, but really the other part to this is, especially if you're going to go with the slowdown version, John, any turnover you make is multiplied by double. Because if you go into a slowdown version and you're going to reduce the number of possessions for both teams, a turnover becomes more than a gut punch. It becomes a gut punch and a right cross to the jaw. I mean, it, it will it will hurt you double time. And depending on the point of the game, it could be a knockout punch. Could be a knockout punch. Absolutely could be. So, you know, this is why football is such a great game. Because it, it's almost like the military in terms of the strategy and how you want to play it. There's not, ex, there's not a right or wrong answer here. There's really not. No. Your, ex, your execution is going to be the right or wrong answer. It's, it's, it's your execution. Got to score points. All right. Salmon said that Judge said that Shepard, Peppers, and Sling would be with the trainers, but he seemed a little more optimistic. So we'll have to wait to see what the okay. injury report after practice is on that. All right, let's go back to the phones. Who's up next here? Let's go to Greg in Atlanta. He's up next. What's up, Greg? Hey, how you guys doing today? We're great, man. What's All happening? Right. All right, man. Just calling in to say, uh, like the last couple of games that I've, you know, we we're, we played four games. We won one. And the Washington game and the Saints game, I saw a lot of grit in our team. And the other two games were close. And we just did some bad things penalty-wise. But I am very impressed with our offensive line and the grit factor. Like, I think the team is really turning the corner now because they're playing with the attitude, even though we only won one of those games. I really think that we're heading in that direction. I called a couple of weeks ago and spoke about how Washington, uh, I said uh, that I, we lost, but I loved the loss because we really, really played a good game even though we lost. And I just feel that way. Like I love 
I was appalled at some of the stuff I was seeing on the field, and now I don't feel that way. Even in losses, I feel like we're playing hard and as a better team, and that's all most fans really wanted. I think the team is really turning the corner, and that's all I called to say, guys. No, I appreciate it, and I do think with the offensive line, Paul, I do think this week's a little bit of a different challenge. You know, the Saints have a have a tough, more of a, a strong line. You know, they kind of win with power the way the Saints right. do their thing. Right. Dallas is speed and quickness, so That's I kinda, I want to see how this Giants offensive line now, which if you look at the numbers, they're not the most athletic group in the world. They're strong and they're tough and they're physical and they're smart. But they're not super-duper athletic. Barry Andrew Thomas, who did very well on all his metrics at his pro day and all that, and mm-hmm. the combine, all that stuff. So I do want to see how this offensive lineman in pass pro deals with an offensive line, that is, a defensive front, rather, that's a lot quicker, faster, and they move and do stunts as much as anyone in the league. So I think this will be another, and they've had a couple already, this will be another good test for this Giants offensive line group that I think has surpassed most people's expectations. It's a different style of challenge, yeah, John. Correct. That's what I meant to. Yeah, that's and, what I meant. And what what do we always say? Matchups make fights yeah. and matchups make football games. I don't necessarily know that that this is going to be an easy matchup. In fact, it may be a more difficult matchup for the Giants than the Saints. To how be you, honest with you, how do you think the I asked this to Phil? I'm going to ask you, how do you think the Cowboys will use Parsons? Oh, if if they're smart, they'll continue to use him off the edge. They didn't do it last week. I know they didn't. I know they didn't. But I I've always said, I look, I said it before the draft. I, I know you did. I told you that yep. before the draft. No, I know, and I and I didn't disagree with you. Parsons to me is 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 just. Oh man, I, I I just loved him there, and I kept thinking to myself, if somebody drafts him as an inside linebacker, they're making a mistake. You you can't take him that high and make him an inside linebacker. Well, now if you want to use him there, maybe on first and second down, and then on passing downs, you let him rush the passer. Well, you, then if I, you want to move, fine with if that. you want to yeah. move him around, fine. Yeah, but but there were too many people who kept saying going into the draft, he's going to be an inside backer in a three four or a middle linebacker in a four three. And I'm like, no, no, he's got too much edge value. We'll see. Now, of course, the edge was a high-risk, high-reward situation because he hadn't actually done it. You're projecting it. It's what I saw. No, I don't, and, and I, I didn't disagree with you at the time. You know, I, yeah. th- I thought the same thing for Isaiah Simmons the yeah, year before. Yeah, I mean, Parsons is a lot bigger than Simmons. He though. is. That's the difference. He is, yeah. which gives him a better chance to work physicality-wise. Yeah. You know, Simmons would have been strictly more of a technique and speed guy if he had done that. Oh, yeah, he would have been annihilated if he got, you know, caught up by he, an offensive He tactics. can't afford to get caught up. Right. You know, and I don't know what the Cardinals are doing with him this year because I haven't seen Arizona. Yeah, I haven't watched Arizona yet either, you know? to be honest with you. But, but I saw Parsons as, as being a very effective edge guy in this league, and I guess the Cowboys figured it out. Well, it took Marcus Lawrence to get hurt. But I know. They did. Doesn't yeah. matter, right? Well, no, it doesn't. Desperation is the uh, the, the birth of uh, invention. Ooh, I like that. Right? Paul getting philosoph- philosophical. <laughs> I like it. All right, let's go to Greg in Atlanta. He's up next. Greg, what's going on? Oh, I'm sorry. Charlie, Wait, I don't I don't see it on my list here, Pearson. But okay. Let's, hey, Hi, Charlie. John. Hi, Charlie. Now, Charlie, you were conspicuously silent after Daniel Jones' great game on Sunday for two days. I haven't heard Look, from you. I, I had to wait till all the hysteria uh, got over with and everybody crowning him. As I didn't see you tweeting. What. I didn't see and, you Oh, calling. I tweeted. I tweeted. It's been no, radio I silence. I, 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 I thought someone <laughs> cut off your internet service provider up there. <laughs> And the no, what was going on? I was waiting. I was well, the waiting lobsters got to your power lines and were clipping them. 
I was waiting everyone to chill a bit. Let's have like more than just one game from this guy. No, it's and been more than one is, game, Charlie. It's been the whole first part of the we've season. Been, Paul and I have been trying to tell you that he's been playing well for a couple weeks before that, too. You just didn't want to listen to us. Did you listen to he, Phil Sims, Charlie? Who, yeah, by the I way, has so. great credentials. Yes, he does. But I but remember what I said. I said, Daniel Jones needs a good to great offensive line to be successful. I said that many times. And guess what? We had a good offensive line last week. That's why he had time to look around, take his time, find the guys, get the ball out. But I watched the Dallas in the Panther game yesterday. It was on NFL Network Rewind again. And they blitzed. And they harassed, and they they got after Donald. And Donald's like Jones; he holds the ball a little bit too long. And I tell you, man, this is a different defense than 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 uh, New Orleans is. And like you said, they're quick, not as good. They're fast. They are they are a better pass rushing team than New Orleans is. You know, if we can run the ball against them, then that will help because we'll slow them down. But man, if we can't. Uh, Jones is going to be in for a long day, and the old Jones is probably going to come back. So I want to see. Why does it seem like you're rooting for this, Charlie? Why does it seem like you want this to happen? I don't understand. You being right is not better than the Giants figuring out they have a franchise (laughs) quarterback. Charlie, here's what I don't understand. You, you, watch Herbert. You, you, the franchise. All right, hold on a second. No, no, hold on a second. What is this? insatiable appetite that you have to make Daniel Jones out to be Joe Pizarczyk. Why? No, I no, no, I'm just tell me that. why. Why do you hate on this guy so much? Uh, Good question. Because he has led the league in turnovers in two years. No, he, 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 did not lead, he did not lead the league in turnovers not, last year. He not did not. Close. Second half of the season, he cleaned it up. He is no, not I Craig Morton. It, it, he is not Joe Pizarczyk. Get it through your okay. head, Charlie. Or Kent Graham. He's not. Or Dave Brown all or Danny Cano. Or Tommy Maddox. All I want to see, guys, I want to see him do it more than just one game. If he, if we win, if we beat Dallas and he plays as well as he did against New Orleans, then I will start Charlie, what do, you, Charlie, do you really Jones. expect him to throw for 400 yards a game? <laughs> Nobody does well, that. At least 300. No, right? Charlie. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm Charlie, gonna, I'm Charlie, gonna, I'm, Charlie, listen. All right, all right. While you do what you're going to do there, John. Charlie, you remember Scott <laughs> Burner? I remember Scott. Okay. I remember Scott, Dave Brown. Scott came out of Delaware, and he led the Giants to a playoff appearance in 1981. And by no means was he a Pro Bowl quarterback. Were you happy with Scott Bruner when he got them into the playoffs? No, because you weren't. they played Scott Bruner you weren't. instead of uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Phil Sims. It took him 17 years. Between 63 and 81 to get back to the playoffs. You were not happy with Scott Bruner either, and they beat Philly in a wild card game, and you were still not happy with him. See, no, this, I this, wasn't, this, this, I didn't this, think he this, was our John, I solved he the problem. Charlie is psychologically deformed. <laughs> okay, well, he no. has serious mental issues. Well, he, is, he can't like anything. He, he, Charlie, here is the point like I'm going to make. Charlie, time out. And I want a quarterback like Phil Sims. Charlie, time out. So a Super Bowl MVP. Charlie, okay, Charlie great. I have a question for you, Charlie. How many sure. quarterbacks are averaging 300 yards per game this year? Probably three. Five. Okay. Five. Well, there you go. You, Why isn't Jones one of the five? Do you, do you know how many yards Daniel Jones is away from averaging 300 yards per game? Uh, probably 14. 
16 yards. Oh, well, he cool. literally <laughs> has this year, Charlie, I'm yes. looking at the numbers. He has 34 fewer passing yards than Patrick freaking Mahomes. What yeah. do you want him to do? So, look, what I want him to do, I want him to win games. And if he does That's again, not a quarterback like, stat. That's not a quarterback not. stat, Charlie. And you know better. It's an 11 11-on-11 game, dude. I'm not going to okay, let you call okay. up and use quarterback wins as a okay. freaking metric. Well, it's not how happening. About, how about that last drive in Washington when he had a chance to win the game? What happened? He failed. He didn't fail this time. So that's great. I'm saying whoa, that whoa, whoa, whoa. is great. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did what? he fail? He put the team in front. Washington no, kicked didn't. Washington kicked a field goal on the final play to win the game. No, we had a chance to take the lead. To you know, we were tied. He had a chance to go down and win the game with a field goal or a touchdown, and he failed. He fumbled the ball, if you remember, Paul. I think it was when he fumbled the ball, and then Washington got the ball back, and they went down and scored a field goal and won the game. All I'm saying is he had a chance to win the game then, and he didn't. But he did this time, which I think is great. Okay, I'm not saying he didn't have a good game, and. The other thing I wanted to just talk about, I hope they keep this offensive line together and keep playing the same guys. I don't want Breland. What's his name? Brennan, the guy with his hand injury. Bredesen. I don't want to. Uh, Bredesen. I don't want to see him coming back. I don't want him seeing. I don't want him in guard position. You know, the guy from Baltimore played a great game. Keep him there. You know, keep the same five guys. They played well. Same thing with. With Ross and Tony. So now Shepard is coming back. We're going to cut them off and play five snaps. We love love to debate folks, especially when they bring facts. But when you go totally off the planet and you start dangling somewhere in outer space with some of your ideas, that's just just too much. Now, if you want to come and say Daniel Jones isn't getting the team in the end zone enough, okay. I I can buy that one. The red zone's not good enough. That's fine. John, what is he talking about? The Giants were leading Washington 29-27 to until the final field goal when Dexter Lawrence was called for offsides. They were winning by two points. They won the game. Daniel Jones brought them behind and gave them a victory, only to have it pulled off the board by a second field goal attempt after time expired. Now, now in, in fairness, Paul, they, they did get the ball. On Washington's twenty-yard line, they didn't get. Any, I understand that they didn't get a first down on that particular drive. Okay. They just got it with three but, and out but, and kicked the field. Well, goal. but that had to do with play calling. They were settling for that field well, goal. Well, well, Jones also threw it behind Shepard on a slant. Mm. Nah, did he? Nah, it wasn't the best pass. Okay, all right. Be fair. If you want Shaw to be fair, then you have to be fair. It wasn't too. the best pass, but he didn't turn it over. No, he, he could have turned it over. Turn it over. Hey, Barkley almost turned it over in New Orleans no. territory hey, on Sunday. I, hey, Paul, look, I've been telling, I've been saying that. Dan- look, Daniel Jones, right now. All right, where are the numbers? Right here. I had it up a second ago. He is seventh in the league in passing yards. All right. He is a sixty-seven percent completion percentage, which is higher than Tom Brady. And Derek Carr, who are first and second in the league in passing yards. Do you want to make the argument that they haven't gotten the ball in the end zone enough and his red zone passing hasn't been good enough? Okay. We can have that argument. That's fine. That's fair. But give the kid a break. I'm telling you. He truly, he must have Joe Prezacic posters all over his bedroom wall. 
He just worships Joe Pizarczyk so he can complain about quarterbacks every day of the year. I mean, he says Justin Herbert's a franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones has more passing yards and is averaging more yards per attempt than Justin Herbert this year. <sighs> and he has a higher – no, he has 2% two, two lower completion percentage. Okay. But they're right there. Anyway, <laughs> I don't get it. Charlie, take a break. Call us next week, please. 201-939-4513. Thanks, everybody in the phones. Great job. Paul, this was fun. We thank Phil Sims for joining us. As always. Spotlight. Pearson, excellent job on the board as always. We will talk to you guys tomorrow at 1230 for another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live when we do our deep dive preview into the Dallas Cowboys. We'll talk to you then.